So here we are, part two of our look at Brave, the monolith of an album, fourth with Steve Hogarth, return to concepts and full-on prog, an album that Sanya took a very long time to get to a point where we could record these episodes. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, oh, I haven't even written that much per song. So yeah, but this is, let's hope that I have enough to say. We were talking about this off off mic, weren't we? How it's a deal because it's because it's not a personal story as such. Whereas when we did Misplaced Childhood, even though it's thirty minutes shorter than than Brave, because it was sort of very much digging into Fish's life and Fish putting his life out there. We were analysing it a lot more. We was yeah. here, here, even though there are elements that are clearly personal to H. And I mentioned Hollow Man last week, uh, and how that song is very much written from H's perspective. It, it, because it, it's a work of fiction. It, it somehow doesn't demand that sort of deep dive. Yeah, I kind of could take it as it was a lot more without trying to I did try and work it out I did spend quite a lot of time trying to work out the story but now that you kind of told me the story it's like oh yeah okay (laughs) I don't really know what more there is to say well I'm sure I'm sure we'll find there is there's plenty to say yeah I'm sure we'll find something I mean apart from apart from musically which there's a lot to say because it's just like extremely complex and dense and layered indeed but i'm not a musician so i probably won't have anything <laughs> yeah i won't have any worthwhile input on the musical front look you may not know much about art but you know what you like that's that's that our mantra true. on this podcast that is true yeah i like that mantra yeah that's that's how we approach it we're not trained musicians no but anyway, before we begin, if you remember last week, we were talking about how certain members of Marillion have claimed that Brave is an album that may or may not have influenced Radiohead's OK Computer. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. That was a big discussion. That was a big discussion. And how the basis for that is that Radiohead supposedly grabbed some freebie copies of Brave from their record company office and how there was a photograph of a proto version of Radiohead when they were known as On a Friday, standing in front of some Marillion, Iron Maiden and IQ posters. But they were the singer, Tom York's friends posters. Yeah, well, Nigel Powell is the guy's name. Mm. It was his bedroom. Uh, Fraser Marshall who is part of the the web fan club team uh, and as who we've described on occasion as the third member of Beampod because we often refer to his website Marillion Explanations of Song Elements for our analysis. Uh, He got in touch to say um, Nigel Power has a Marillion connection. His band... Yes. Uh, the Sad Song Company. I hadn't realised right this. I had, their, I, I had their first album, I think. I really liked it. I've probably still got it in the shed, where all my other CDs are. Anyway, they supported Marillion in the, at the 2007 Marillion weekend. Oh, get out. Yeah. Uh, and he was also Nigel Powell in a band called The Unbelievable Truth, another good band whose album I really liked, uh, with Andy York, who's Tom York from Radiohead's brother. 
the web so to speak thickens the web thickens the web thickens <laughs> very thick web that spider is weaving yeah but there's more fraser very kindly pointed me in the direction of an interview with nigel powell in which he talks about that famous photo that meridian had Get used out of here yeah so <laughs> wow so on a Friday, that, pre, that was what Radiohead were known as. This is, this is Nigel Powell's words. On a Friday, he'd recorded three tracks at the legendary or semi-legendary Union Street Studios in Oxford. But Tom was already a prolific writer and wanted to get another slew of stuff down. So we gathered in my bedroom for me to commit it all to tape. The wall-to-wall IQ, Marillion and Iron Maiden posters were anathema to the fearsomely indie five-piece but I didn't think they let their prejudices get in the way. Although there was plenty of good-natured piss-taking, including a snap I still have of Tom Collin, guitarist Ed O'Brien and drummer Phil Selway posing ironically in front of one of my maiden posters. So there we go. They were being ironic. ironically in front of an Iron Maiden poster. Well, because they were very cool and indie. And I always thought Iron Maiden was one of those cool bands. <laughs> I've never listened to Iron Maiden, but that's just like the impression I got. You thought Iron Maiden were cool. Yeah. Look, I'm not knocking anyone who likes Iron Maiden. I've seen Iron Maiden Like, live. I'm just surprised that anyone would make, or like have to pose ironically in front of an Iron Maiden poster. Wow. Don't forget Marillion used to be, used to share a lot of fans with Iron Maiden. Which right. Iron Maiden were way bigger than Marillion have ever been. Yeah. Way, way bigger. You know, they're, they're, they, are, they were, and still are to an extent, a proper stadium band. But they weren't... They didn't have that kind of self-conscious call and acceptance that a band like Radiohead would have, you know, where they were considered artists. They're a heavy no metal way. band. Heavy metal I'm isn't so... cool in that way. But it's, it's cool in its own... Area Look, like we you, wouldn't, say, yes. you wouldn't expect like a heavy metal fan to love Britney Spears, but in their own like you wouldn't make fun of a heavy metal fan because you'd be afraid of getting I, bashed up. I, but no, no, okay, again, you've got a very, very wrong impression of heavy metal fans, right? The heavy metal fans at my school yeah. were not the cool kids. Really? Yeah, I have been to Maiden gigs. Yeah. Uh, well, these days, certainly, the last one I went to, a lot of beer bellies and bald heads. Okay, that's just more or less the same as, as Marillion. But they're not a cool crowd, are they? They're but not... they're cool... Well, okay, this is how... I mean, I'm basing this back in my youth, in my school days. They weren't cool as in, I'm going to drive like a Lamborghini or whatever the, the cool car was at that time. Well, you've got a really interesting No, 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 they weren't cool, cool in that sense, but they were cool in like, you don't want to mess with them, like they know what they like, just, you know, they're not trying to please anybody. Okay. And Now, Iron Maiden's lead singer Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. He's a, he's a trained pilot, a commercial pilot. Right. He does fencing. Olympic, Fen- at Olympic fencing level. as in the sport or building fences. Or selling stolen goods. No, he does it as the sport. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, look. Don't knock fencing. Look, we're not, for some reason this week, we appear to have 
started the episode <laughs> with 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 a debate about what cool means and whether when I'm Maiden is what cool I'm or not. saying. It's just sorry. I'm saying with, with my very very limited knowledge of Iron Maiden. I never would have thought that it was the kind of band people would pose ironically in front of a, their post a poster of. When I say cool, like, yeah, with with bands like Radiohead, and I'm doing it in quotes, bands like yeah. Suede in quotes, Blur quotes, right? Uh, cool, cool, cool. We're talking about the sort of bands that would get fated by the likes of NME, okay, and the music press who would sort of see them as as acceptable to like like mainstream no no mainstream would be britney spears oh okay okay acceptable to like because it gave you a certain cachet right basically the antithesis of what marillion and frankly iron maiden were wow you You learn something new every day yeah iron maiden have even used mark wilkinson for some of their covers of late and and I'm just saying they're not that kind of cool again in quotes mm. and never have been. You know, they, they dress in, you know, studded leather wristbands. and That's cool. Yeah. OK. Again, it depends on your definition of what cool is. I think Marillion are cool. I think Steve Hogarth <laughs> is cool. Studded leather wristbands are cool. Yeah. I think, you know, Ian Mosley, Mark Kelly, Pete and Steve Rothery are cool. So what you're saying is it's subjective. Well, it's certainly subjective, but there is also a higher level of of that, or a different definition of cool where, again, it comes back to sort of, yeah, music papers like the NMA, you know, Mm. and there are the certain kids at school, the indie kid, for want of a better term, you know, the cool kids, and then there were the other kids who like Iron Maiden and really <laughs> I think the, I think the problem is, is that I went to an all girls school and there weren't really any Iron Maiden or many fans. Iron Maiden <laughs> bands. I bet there weren't. I had an idea of them that's clearly far from what your idea of them is. I'm trying to think of what would what would some cool people say to an Iron Maiden fan to ridicule them. Right. And the only word that's coming to mind is virgin. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Now, that's, that's not, not how we would have seen heavy metal me. fans back in the day. Do you think meatloaf's cool? Yeah. Okay. I went to a meatloaf gig once and we got, um, I wouldn't say bullied, but we got harassed on the way home from a bunch of, quote, cool kids. Really? Yeah. Carrying oh. our meatloaf banner that we'd hung over the I can't, edge of the balcony. I, if I imagine myself as a teenager, I can't imagine anyone making fun out of the heavy metal kids. Yeah. Like, you just wouldn't. The heavy metal kids you just wouldn't. Like, you wouldn't necessarily... Like, you just... They they just live their own life and At my school, the okay. heavy metal kids were not the hard kids, were not the kids who to be scared of. At my school... No, because they, they weren't bullies or anything. At my school, it would be the... Kids who were more likely to get bullied would be Iron Maiden or Marillion fans, and and I'm classing myself in amongst them. Really? Yeah. The ones you wanted to watch out for were the the ones who one kid in particular I'm thinking of and his clique who were were the mods, you know, who were dressed like kind of sort of sixties mods. They were Uh, the dangerous ones. 
Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, what one, on one of them ended up in Am prison. I, have I just landed in a different one, dimension? One of them ended up in prison for glassing someone in a pub. I wouldn't have feared anything from the metal kids. They were more kind of in their own world. Yeah, they were no, because you'd talk to them and have like good chats. They're and in their stuff. own little dimension, skipping but, around, going, "We like Iron Maiden. No, we like they Iron Maiden." They weren't kind of like Ace people that high. would get bullied. Nor were they the bullies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, all my mates liked Iron Maiden and also all my mates liked Marillion. Ah. Yeah. Cool. And my mates, including myself, we weren't the cool kids. We weren't the tough kids. But you are now. We were the ones more likely to get picked on and made fun of. Maiden are only sort of one small footstep away from prog. Really. Yeah, they've done some long songs. and. So what's the, what separates them from prog? Well, they're generally heavier. They're just a bit heavier. Yeah, well, not a bit. Generally, quite a fair bit heavier. But but they have done some longer conceptual pieces, and you know, on stage, you know, they have. When I when I saw them, they had like a twenty foot tall puppet of their mascot Eddie, who was a a kind of zombie skeleton guy, come so, out. That's with a, cool. Firing a laser. Oh, come on, that is really cool. It was amazing. You can't say that's not cool. It was amazing, but also completely over the top and ridiculous, and that's why I Ooh. loved it. Huh. Anyway, we're... We're, we're procrastinating we? from well, trying to talk about Brave. We're 20 minutes into Brave, and we've had a very long discussion about what and what isn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> is Brave cool, Paul? Yes, Right and answer. and you at home will never know whether I was doing quotes with my fingers or not. He wasn't. Talking of quotes, here's a quote from Steve Hogarth. <laughs> hey, what about that for a segue? That's well done. That was a segue. So we talked a bit last week about the the kind of whiplash that we've had going from one album to the next in the H era particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what H said in an interview, which I forgot to write the date down for... Was he said what was good about Brave was that it established us, uh, sorry, established a precedent not to expect the same thing from us twice. The people then that went with us had the feeling that there's a bunch of guys that are going to keep moving on. We didn't design it that way, but gradually found ourselves in a position where we had complete creative freedom to do what we wanted without killing our career completely. So while we we have debated whether that was a good thing because it certainly did cost them fans and cost them some loyal fans you know the the vast differences particularly between holidays in eden and brave what it did lay down as h says was something which which marillion have long said that they try to do when making a new album which which whether it's intentional or whether it's on a subconscious level each album is is a reaction to the previous one what do you mean by that? Or what did H mean by that? As in, what did he mean by reaction? As in, they try not to repeat themselves. So, for instance, right. this goes way back to even uh, Misplaced Childhood, when after they made Misplaced, they started out trying to make a new album that ended up re- trying to replicate what, they, what they'd done with Misplaced Childhood. So they, they and they went... This is just sounded like a second rate misplaced. So they scrapped it and started from scratch, which is why Clutching at Straws isn't a traditional concept album that it all sort of flows in the way that Misplaced Childer did. Um, I mean, I think I, I think Season's End certainly was a, a case of don't scare the horses. You know, we're still here. 
Yeah. We haven't changed radically. And then, of course, Holidays in Eden, they were under pressure from the record company to have a hit, so they made that sort of album. But then they deliberately, with Brave, did something completely different. And that, although it's not always apparent, that is certainly... You can certainly sort of see it with some albums more than others. For instance, um, I mean, without one kind of go into spoilers in terms of the albums that we sort of look at later, After Marbles, which was a double and very sort of slick and produced, they then made Somewhere Else. Now, that got criticised by a lot of the fans at the time because it sounds quite lo-fi. Um, but that apparently was the choice of the band and Mike Hunter who produced it. So it sounds quite sort of raw and live sounding. So they like to contrast yeah. each album with the previous and the next. So you never quite know what you're going to get. Yeah. Which is why after Brave, Afraid of Sunlight, which we're going to be covering next, is very different sounding. Mm. And then on This Strange Engine, there's a lot of acoustic sounds. Then you got a radiation, which had a kind of modern, for then, kind of rocky edge. Hmm. And then you had Meridian.com. I don't know what was going on there, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but anyway. So do you think that this um, intention of theirs of always creating contrasting sounds with each album has helped them with their longevity? Well, yeah. I mean, as he said in that quote, I think, I think it has, but at the time it was a risky, risky, risky gambit. Because, I mean, I guess it is every time. Well, yeah, it always is. Although, as as he said, they found themselves in a position now where they're comfortable in that they have enough support from the fan base. And certainly since, you know, and let's not forget, Marillion invented crowdfunding. And between that and the Marillion weekends, they have creative freedom. You know, they're not beholden to a record label because, you know, spoilers again, but, but they got dropped after Afraid of Sunlight. They were going to be dropped after Brave. Oh, really? Uh, the record company wanted to drop them because it cost so much money. As a money. reaction to Brave? Well, yeah, it cost huge amounts of money. It had taken an enormous amount of time. I mean, they take even longer these days, but again, they can afford to. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> on top of that, um, it just, yeah, it just hadn't done very well. You know, it had sold half of what Holidays in Eden had sold. So the record company um, will get into this more when we start on Afraid of Sunlight. But the record company said, that's it, we're done. And John Arneson, the manager, said, look, what if I can promise you that they can do an album really quickly? Um, uh, and consequently, they did. Afraid right. of Sunlight came out the year after Brave, which from Marillion... God, what? <laughs> I know. What? Are you for I real? I know, and arguably could be their best album. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it came out in 95. Brave was 94. That's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, ultimately it wasn't enough to stop EMI dropping them because, again, it didn't sell very well. It did worse, again, than Brave. Really? Even we'll have to, we'll get onto yeah. that next week, but, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know why. Yeah, well, yeah, they can certainly... But it's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um. Yeah, so with Brave, um, as Rothery said there's a sense that we tried doing it emi's way we tried making commercial record and it didn't really work 
so they figured let's just do what we love it'll either sell or it won't sell but at least we'll be artistically satisfied yeah which and is a great you know if you it's can. how it should be yeah, yeah it's how it should be and this is what i mean uh when i said i think a couple of weeks ago how brave set the template for marillion going forwards it established not only a certain kind of bigness of sound and a, a multi-layered sort of sound but just their approach to each album that they kind of went we're going to do what we want to do mm. now arguably there were points probably in the particularly the sort of latter half of the 90s where Marillion were having to put out albums relatively quickly just to keep going because <clears throat> sales did drop so this is before the Marillion weekends and everything yeah 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 you know this is before they discovered that new business model really of of going to the fans and saying will you pay for our album before we've made it and also then will you know three thousand of you come to a holiday camp in in holland mm. <laughs> for three days uh so so those two things can't be understated and i think i think really the they're more important that the pre-orders and the Meridian weekends they're more important to the band i think even than than tours and and sales of albums after after they've been released. Wow. So H also said about Brave, we lost a lot of fans. It wasn't well received. Everyone now, now looks back and goes, what a great album, but no one was saying that uh, the day after it came out. Oh. I, I'm really curious to know how many people uh, maybe left after Brave, but then came back after maybe giving it a bit more time. Yeah, I don't Or hearing mind, don't other know. albums and then going, okay, I'll give Brave another chance. Yeah, I'll be curious. I mean, some people still still can't deal with Brave because we're going to do the post bag where a lot of people yes. have written in. Rather says, I think it needed at least a year or two after its release before people saw it for what it was. Mm. It's definitely us going, this is what we do, this is who we are, we hope you like it, but this is the course we're committed to. And it was... Of course, as well, the first eight-year album, really, that they operated as a band. Whereas Season's End, the bulk of it was written before H joined. Mm. You know, he bought some yeah, songs. Yeah, true. Holidays in Eden, if you remember, was an extremely difficult album to write. At points, H was sent away while the rest of the band worked on the music. But with Brave... They they operated in the way that they still do to this day in terms of how they write, you know, through jamming and, and being there together. Coming together as a unit, mm. as a team. Yeah, Rother said in an interview, uh, Brave was the first album we'd actually written between the five of us. It was the first time we had to knuckle down. And because it was a concept album, the rest of us found it easy to get our heads around what we were trying to do with it. So I, I find that interesting because... In the way it was misplaced, giving Marillion a concept does seem to kind of really benefit them because with misplaced, it holds together so well because there's little sort of repeated musical phrases in that throughout, mm. you know, the lavender Which they've phrase. done again in Brave. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brave, I think, it, yeah, it, and it helps to tie it all together because there's that sort of overriding, I don't know, philosophy of what the album is meant to be. It, it, and it makes it a cohesive piece, even if perhaps Paper Lies shouldn't have been on it, but, you know. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. It, it, that's why it's such an important Marillion album, because it, it 
it cemented Ace's place in the band. And I, I've never heard this said, but I'm pretty sure that prior to Brave, I'm sure all of them were thinking this isn't working. Really? I reckon. They must have been. Holidays in Eden didn't sell great. It was a difficult album to record. And so I'm sure they must have kind of gone, yeah, well, they wouldn't have wanted to go through that process again, surely, if, if being in Meridian had become a slog with diminishing returns. But what Brave gave them, at least, was a sense of artistic accomplishment. Yeah, creative satisfaction. Yeah. But that's interesting because, you know, Holidays in Eden, that last, those last three songs, is it three songs or one song? Yes, the trilogy. The trilogy, they're very much, they very much seem to be leading the road into Brave. Yeah, but it's still... So it's, it's like, it's almost as if it already had started there to wet their appetites well we talked about that last week about how mark kelly off the back of that didn't rule out ever doing a full-on prog concept album again but yeah certainly the this town trilogy is yeah i don't think it, it it's fit to lick the boots of brave personally no but it's like it's the beginning seed yeah maybe but by the same token Genesis, their latter Phil Collins era albums, they'd normally have a long song on there that was sort of 10, 11, 12 minutes. And it didn't necessarily mean that their next album was going to be a full on concept album. You know, that they weren't going to do it. No, a um, follow up to, to um, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway or something. You know, it, they, it was just it, what, what those Genesis albums, when they do those long songs, always feel to me like is a little bit. Like of a you know a, a tossing a bone to the long term fans again. Here's a bit of prog, and that's what it felt like for me on on holidays in Eden. Oh, okay, but I didn't I didn't mean it in that way. I thought more that it was a sign that they hadn't like because you said after holidays in Eden you suspected they might have been like oh this isn't working, and I, what I meant was that the this town trilogy was perhaps an indication that they were like. Well, yeah, maybe we can get this. You're right because that that is clearly what it was. Yeah, but at the time, I I didn't believe that they ever would. Right. Go back to that. Yeah. So brave was a surprise. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Okay. So shall we go through the album? track by track. Okay. Which, let's face it, is the pseudo silk kimono of this album. Yeah. A little song that sets the scene, but it also does, in terms of the narrative, does the same job as pseudo silk kimono in that. Well, I'm not going to say any more. Sanya? Oh, I thought Bridge was wonderfully atmospheric, really cinematic, and a little bit creepy. You find it great. Like the sounding, the sound of it, just like a little bit. Um, mainly, I just like I like the sounds of it, like the the boat horn honking, yeah, and then the, kind of moving off into the it's, distance. Is it? Well, the keyboard, the that sound, keyboard. The, that keyboard drone is apparently wow. H, H put together, I believe, in his bedroom in in Marowat. Get out of here! Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then the way it kind of moves off into the distance as well. I think it's it's classic Marillion, Death and Water. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. It's even got water yes, sounds it, on it. it. Yeah. Love the water sounds. Um Yeah, I just thought it was very atmospheric and impressed the sound of it was really impressive. A little bit creepy. I love the line a million photo flashes from the water down below. It's, oh, it's poetry. Yeah. That was like you you just know exactly what that means. Yeah. You can just envision envision it instantly dawn light bouncing through the mist yeah the roar of traffic and the crack of police radios yeah i mean that oh that just it's so picturesque so yeah i actually liked bridge uh, it's not if something you listen to on opinions. its own i, no, I think it's no. just part of living with the big lie but. yeah but it, as an entrance into the album you like you're like okay we're going somewhere deep here this isn't like a whoop to do happy happy pop it's, song it's like all right we're going into deep water it is the boat horn yeah. is taking us into deep dark water but i think it's one of the most i mean you said cinematic i can't think of a better word than that one of the most cinematic couple of minutes of music they've ever done it's a similar trick they've repeated it later in ocean cloud of using the music to paint a visuals in your head particularly mm. in water obviously excel at water you know with ocean cloud they have you know the 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 line the black wall of water when like um they've got the, the the dialogue in there and the the music kind of crashes like a wave and oh, then cool. uh it, it and here they're doing it with that foghorn sound as you say and the the, the music kind of ebbs and flows like a tide Mm, and so clever it's it's such an atmospheric opening yeah and even at the time as much as i found it hard to get to grasp lots of the album it, it that grabbed me from the off yeah same so when i said it does the same trick as as pseudo silk kimono did when or at least our interpretation of pseudo silk kimono this is it starts at the end this album starts at the end the girl is on the bridge. Yeah. The police are there and she's looking out over the water. And I just love the way this song ends and goes straight into living with the big lie. When they ask her name, would she please explain? She simply chooses to say nothing. Then boom, into mm. living with the big lie. Oh, love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so there's not much more to say about no, that. No, yeah. Because there's not many lyrics. I'm sorry. <laughs> That that's all I've really got to say. But you've got to really experience it more than talk about it, I think. Yeah, it's just end the podcast, yeah. <laughs> Everyone can go and experience it instead of listening to us. <laughs> what a great thing to say. You don't need to listen to the rest of this episode, everyone. Switch it off now. Just go and listen to the album. <laughs> Make up your own mind. <laughs> Do that, in fact, for all the albums, and then we'll just end the podcast completely. <laughs> You don't need to hear our opinions, which are frequently wrong. True. <laughs> so living with a big lie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's, let's do our traditional, you talk about it first. I'm going to talk about it from the point of view I had when I didn't really know what the album was about. You hadn't told me the story yet. Um, so I was just trying to guess what each song was about and what the overall story was. 
Um, just starting off, I love the plucking sounds at the yeah. beginning of the song. I thought they were really beautiful. Bam. Yeah. Bam. And yeah, musically, again, it's a piece of art. Um, and then I was trying to work out what it was about. And the lyrics where where it said, the colours stand still and then they move around, coming in and out of focus, upside down, to me sounded like someone who was coming back into consciousness and felt disorientated. And, you know, and then it was um, other lyrics that said... Um, empty winter trees how space feels to me that was like that just feels like what it feels like I used to faint a lot when I was younger coming back into consciousness kind of being really hyper aware of sounds but also being disorientated and not really knowing where you are what's going on so that's what I got from that section then I had no idea for the next bit and then the bits where where the lyrics talking about the babble of the family and the dumb tv roar of the traffic and thunder of jets sounded like sensory overload so i was like not completely sure but i was guessing it was something about i mean it was a whole big drama encased in one song and i guessed that it was about a girl who'd suffered abuse at home and then run away had run away and had found herself alone in the city. But then the song got all political. So then I was like, well, maybe it's about how she feels so lost because she feels like she literally can't trust anyone. She can't trust her family because she was abused at home, but then she can't trust the politicians and, you know, everything, like nothing feels secure. Nothing feels, I don't want to say trustworthy again, but I can't think of another word. So yeah, nothing feels trustworthy. It seemed to me to be about how rough the world can be, how it can how it can be give you sensory overload, all these external things barraging you with just like hammering at you, deception of media, politicians, blah blah blah. Phew. Um and then I wrote, I'm not sure this is a song I'd choose to listen to on its own because I don't love it. Like, I don't love the idea of just listening to it as a song, but as a piece of storytelling, it really, really works. And it really contrasts with Holidays in Eden. Oh, does it? Did did all of that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. some of it... Because it's hard to talk about. Some of it, you're very close to what the song's about. Okay. Um, But this, it from, from Bridge... Basically, the story then goes back to the moment, literally the moment of her birth. Oh, weird. Yeah, colours coming oh, into Oh, so that's where the, the, is the beauty of your... Because I'm like, why all of a sudden is other words... Oh, I'm trying to find it now. Um, the beauty of your mother's eyes. The pain yeah. when you fall. I'm like, okay, really confused now. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's starting the story of what leads this girl to stand on that bridge and to be numbed by the world. It, it's, it was one of the songs that was written prior to them having the concept for the album. And oh, okay. It's just, basically, it's, I think it's the story of someone's life and birth, the basically disillusionment and becoming desensitised to, to 
the lies and the the injustices of the world around you. You know, the Yeah, that the, the makes Cold sense. War's gone, but those bastards will find us another one. Yeah. Um, but you get used to it. Uh, okay, so kind of like when I was saying it felt like sensory overload that led to a desensitization mm. along with all the lies that are being fed to yeah. the person. So this song wasn't written about the girl. Well, originally. not originally. I mean, bear in mind, I mean, things were changed to make it make things fit with the concept. Mm. Um, but originally, a version of this existed prior to the concept. It was oh, one of the, the first songs they started to write for the album. Hmm. I really, really like it. And I totally hear what you say about it fitting with the album, but not necessarily being one I'd listen to on its own. Yeah. Which is, which is how I think of a lot of the songs on this album. You know? Same. But, and some of them I would rather weren't on the album because I don't think they fit with the tone that feel however there's a version of this that they've played live and my god it's so good because you know how this fades out at the end it, it doesn't come to a stop it fades out and then goes into runaway of course they can't fade out live and they've they've on occasion it's not always but sometimes when they've played the song on its own not as part of a brave live performance mm. um the outro, they give it a real groove and a swagger. Um, and H really going nuts with the, you know, you get used to it and, uh, and singing another and another and another. And it, it, it's it's amazing. I'll see if I can dig out the live version for you, but it has just so much more on And that I would listen to. Ah, yeah. okay. I, lo- I love the standalone live version of Living Yeah, I'll be curious to see that. So, um... I don't think there's much more to say, really, but I th- I, it, it's a really... There's a lot of rage in the song. Mm. Um, it's almost, to some degree, H is Fugazi, as in the song. Right? You know, oh, yes. Yeah. You know, what it's about, it's saying, you know, everything's Fugazi, basically. Yeah. Interesting how he approaches it very differently. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's such a good point. It is H is Fugazi. It's a sort of getting desensitised and... Yeah, because there's a lot, there's lots in there. It's you know, in the, that's why it reminds me of Fugazi in the way that Fish just listed loads of things. <laughs> it's, but in, that's in why lot. I was getting confused about how it fit with the story because it's like uh, chemicals in the water, drugs in the food. It's like, um, okay, the heroes and the zeros. So I was trying to piece the it first together. Love of your life. But it's like I love that line, heroes and the zeros. I yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it, it makes more sense now. Mm. Yeah. The attitude of authority, the laws and the rules hit me square in the face first morning at school. Oh, Wow. Oh, <laughs> you, you felt that, did you? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, talking about Ocean Cloud, it's a line that sort of slightly reminds me of the, um, the, the bits in Ocean Cloud where he's talking about, you know, um, being picked for games you know this boy's a cream puff don't know I'd, I'd love to ask H about his school days but it sometimes sounds like he didn't love them mm. um, yeah so here we are yeah when to kiss and to kick and to keep your head down when they're choosing the sides yeah and uh, again he mentions being picked yeah. in uh, 
in Ocean Cloud. So, so That's even though stayed with him. So even though we've talked about uh, this being a less personal album, it also isn't. Because yeah, I think, when you when you pick out bits like that, yeah, it it's clearly personal. Those yeah. aspects. Yeah, because there's there's those sort of repeated themes that he comes back to in his lyrics over the years. Mm. I guess it's woven in with the girl's story, so it was a little bit confusing. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because we've talked about in an, in other episodes about how H sometimes hides uh, more in his lyrics, perhaps, or hides behind. Yeah, whereas Fish seems sort of very nakedly out there in terms of this is this is about me even when he did call the character torch yeah which i think uh you know there was no fooling anyone with fish's lyrics whereas h i don't know there's, there's as it goes on his lyrics that he 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 peels back that curtain more and more and and I, you know i can certainly oh at least i interpret a lot of his songs i think um very much as from his perspective or point of view it was here we're really still in that h hiding mm. how he's really feeling and going no, no this is all about a girl who was you know had to jump off a bridge mm. so yeah so we end with you get used to it get used to it it's okay i got used to it or did she mm. Mm. so from there we go into runaway yes. which is a helma hogarth lyric Oh, interesting. Another one that was written pre... I was just about to ask. Album. Yeah, which was which was really... It was this as much as anything that collided with H's story about the girl, him remembering the news story that he heard on the radio you know, right. all those years before. Um, and it was Helmer, I think, who'd come up with the idea for a song about a runaway girl. Ah, I see. So it wasn't necessarily written originally about no. the girl on the bridge. Okay. Funnily enough, with this song, I didn't even realise until um, after the first few listens that it started with an argument. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I missed that. Well, did um, you? it's much more pronounced on the uh, Stephen Wilson remix. Yeah, I could hear it. I could, when, once I had the big earphones on, I did hear it on the 1998... Oh, the remaster. Yeah, that one. yeah. On both of them, I couldn't really figure out what they were saying though, apart from the girl saying that she hated all her friends. Mm. So I, I still don't, I still don't really know what they were saying. Do you know? Uh, no, but I think that's okay. You just know. Just it's an argument. It's an argument. It doesn't. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think this one is quite straightforward. Yeah, it, I think so. It's like I'm guessing now. The runaway girl's been found, but she's feeling misunderstood because people aren't looking under the surface to see why she might have run away. I love that about this song, I've got to say, because it, it it's a message to all of us, you know, how, how we will, you know, anyone we perceive as bad or troublesome or whatever, you know, or hard work or whatever, there's always something more underneath it. Yeah. I love the empathy of that in this song. Yeah. Yeah. Or this lyric particularly. Yeah. So I thought um I thought that that part was quite straightforward. Was the runaway girl all they chose to see or they were prepared to admit to? Um 
I said, I'm guessing they, this is like, this is the way I thought the story went. They found her on the bridge. They took her home again after they found her on the bridge, not realizing that she came from an abusive household. And then I thought she ran away again. Mm. Um, well, she okay. does because she ends up on the bridge. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, uh, so, oh, okay, yeah. good. All right, good then. I thought she was on the bridge twice. I thought this is this is how I've interpreted the album. Well, look again. It's, it she was found on the bridge. Scr- she was taken home against. This her isn't will. a screenplay. No, it's true. a series of songs. Yeah, it's, yeah. If you're looking for three act structure and yeah, and, it's not yeah, going to happen. A to B to C logic. It's not there, but yeah. it tells, it evokes a journey and a story. Right. Mm. Um. Okay, I have to admit, I found the song. A little bit boring at first but with further listens i really appreciated all the layering in the music and the little sounds like the little rotary phone mm. uh dialing sound and things like that so although it's not a favorite song i appreciate the the density of the sound in it again similarly for me it's not one I mean, they probably have played this on its own, but it's not one that sort of gets played on its own. And probably for that reason, uh, it's part of the overall atmosphere. Yeah, it works. It works where it is in the album. Yeah. And this is why I think, as we talked about quite a lot last week, why a lot of Brave, or for a lot of people, Brave is challenging. Because I think they went in looking for songs. Mm. And as I said to you, it took me a long time to kind of go, where are the songs before I went? Well, there aren't any in a traditional sense. It, it It's more movements through a single piece. Shall we move on to the epic? Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. It's funny, I've never thought of it as an epic. But really? God. I thought that it was the epic of the album. What is it, about 10, 11 minutes, something like that? But it's got so many different sections. So this this is, we're talking about Goodbye to All That, which tends to, on Marillion set lists and live albums, get abbreviated to MAD, uh, because it's a song that's broken down into, what, four, five sections, which are... In order, wave, mad, the opium den, the slide, and standing in the swing. Sanya, take it away. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Musically, it, again, another piece of art. It is a musical masterpiece. Um, I have to say, I love the musical call forward to The Great Escape. Ah, yeah. Brilliant. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that kind of tie-in. She's heading for The Great Escape, yeah. telling us where it's going. So I'm going to ask you now... What does rave mean? Heading for the rave. I, I could have yeah, looked it I, up, but I, I didn't. No, I've always wondered. Because it's not like I don't uh, yeah, think he means the like is a, maybe the, the rave party. is heaven. Heaven's a party. Oh, Heading maybe. for the permanent holiday in the Great Escape is they're obvious what they allude to. Yeah. But. Hmm. hmm. Okay then. So in Wave, I love the beat coming in and growing stronger and the rattle sound. I love the keyboards the, in it. The yeah, field, the... the quiet talking under the music. It's 
it's it's got so much character i like the chant you know when they chant oh free me and take me home mm. those chanting bits just love the energy of that Whew. Uh, it's unhinged as well the yeah. vocal on this yeah it seems to be more aggressive as and, well and when we music. go into mad and the tell me i'm mad how should i know with the kind yes. of reverby vocal in yes that. yeah um then the next bits i'm not sure so okay so in my head she's run away again Mm. so after the runaway so she was let me try and piece it together this is how it was happening in my head she's found on the bridge they find her and take her home against her will then she runs away again and it's like is she getting into drugs here because hold your breath till you feel it begin here it comes it's what the whole song's about oh it's all about drugs pretty much I think oh okay it's her falling in with a bad crowd uh for me, I don't see it as her as her necessarily running away again. I think this just expands on some of what is talked about in Runaway, where you know you made your bed with unfamiliar faces, right? Um, Falling in with a bad crowd, yeah, and you know, casual sex and drug use, uh, and I think that, and but the but but falling apart as well at the same time on the, on inside. the inside. Yeah, well, there was a line in one of the sections, I think it was the opium den section, where which said, I'm always falling off the edge of the world. And that was like, she, by the time she'd reached the bridge, she'd already, like the jumping off the bridge was the final step, but she'd already emotionally fallen off the edge of the world many times before that. So it was kind of like, is that a foreshadowing to the end of, the album mm. but i don't know and then it said love holds us together and i'm like oh is this a love song <laughs> well, i was getting confused for me in that bit which is the slide which is my favorite bit of the song right uh i just love how ambient it's it yeah is. It's the just... whispering what's that language there was a whispering in which sounded like know. in another language Maybe french was didn't it french know. i don't know it didn't sound french. um but the way that the music of that sort of pulses and yeah, it, it throbs, and for me, I think that's is it's reason she's talking about love. There is love holds us together. Love holds us together. I think that's when she's, the drugs have kicked in, and there's a temporary. Oh, this is just my take. There's a temporary lull in the madness in her head. Ah, oh, um, okay. The yeah, opium den, be. by the way, if I'm right. It was where he's he had an Oriental-styled room at Hook End Manor when they were recording Seasons End. He called that the Opium Den um, as a joke. Ah. Uh, and so he just brought it back. Yeah, because, like, for me, like, this section, it sounded a lot more kind of experimental and jammy. Yeah, I love that, though. Yeah. I start, I just, it's so loose but so experimental for yeah. me. Yeah. It's like Marillion, do more of that. You're so good at it. yeah. Which it it's like it's very I can't think of the word, but it it gave the feeling for me of like being lost in a foggy dockyard or something. I think she's lost and in herself. Lost in herself in the and dockyard drops, of herself. Yeah. Um, but then I wrote when the music started to build, it gave the sense of someone growing stronger and more empowered. But maybe that was just the effects of the drugs making her feel more empowered and stronger. Well. I, I I think the standing in the swing 
is her talking to the police at the end. This, okay, this I have to song... ask again, what is the swing? I again, I, I was I've confused every time they oh, mentioned the swing. I know. I, this has just dawned on me. My God, standing in the swing. What does the Seven Bridge look like? It's like a big swing with... Uh, oh. I've always wondered. I wonder if it's that. It must be that. It must be that. I've always wondered. It looks a bit like a set of swings. Yeah, that's got to be that. Do you reckon it's that? Yeah, it has to be that. Standing in the swing. Yeah, it's got to be that. Yeah. Oh, finally. Finally, anyway. it's all clear. But yeah, it's... um. I mean, there were words in there that I was confused, like, um, I'm ashes on the water now, so I was like, oh, is she dead already? Well, no. What? what well, yes and no. What I think that bit at the end, the standing in the swing, yeah. I think, again, we're jumping to to the end. And, so it's jumping around and she's in saying, time. I don't know what you're doing here when there's murder in the street. She's she's talking, oh, that's addressed to the police. To the police. Why, you, you know, don't waste your time on me. I appreciate your concern, but don't waste your time on me. You know, there's more important things. It's fine. I'm, I'm done. I'm dead already. Just leave me to ah. jump. Um, I'm ashes on the water now, somewhere far away. You think you came here just in time, but you're 20 years too late. Yeah. You won't have long to wait. That confused me as well because I thought she was talking to her dad, but it makes more sense if she's talking to the police. I think so. Yeah, yeah, they, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, when she's there's talking murder the on the police. street, you know, there's bigger there's bigger issues. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, what this about is, um, easy? You said it was easy. This world sharpens teeth. Eat your words. I don't know. You said I was easy. This world sharpens teeth. Eat your words. I don't know. That feels like a threat, doesn't it? Against someone who has used her. So now she's talking to her dad and not the police. Yeah, I mean, that that bit's buried, though, isn't it, lyrically? It's just in there. Where does that actually... Can you actually hear that? I heard it, but I don't know. It's very low, isn't it? It might have been low. I, yeah. I can't really remember. It just... It did stand out to me because I was like, oh, what does this mean? Um, okay, so once again, I didn't like this song when I first listened to it. And I think because listening to it as a song is a completely different experience to listening to it as part of the story. Because if you listen to it as part of a story, it is an epic. It's so varied. And even and again, the music itself tells a story. Mm. It's not just the lyrics. So after listening to it a few more times... I grew to appreciate it as a piece of art. But weirdly, I still don't feel an emotional connection to it. It's like, I love the sounds in it. I think, oh, yeah, it's like looking at a nice picture, but not feeling anything from it. Like, mm. you can look at a, a picture of a beautiful scene, imagine that, but not being moved by it. I wasn't moved by it, which I don't understand. Again, for me, I'm sort of with you, because... It, it it feels is that fiction and age seen from a female perspective it, it it's almost where it's like there's yeah it's like there's pain of glass between us and him yeah that he's put there in, intentionally yeah so we're not necessarily getting we're not we're, we're struggling to connect on a on that emotional level so would it be like here I go again with food metaphors Imagine trying to eat a sweet, but it's still in the wrapper <laughs> and you can't get the flavour. So you're kind of getting the texture of it and stuff, but you're not getting the full flavour because it's still in the wrapper. 
That's one way to look at it. Mm. Uh, it's it's interesting because as a song, it didn't really stay with me. Mm. Whereas there are other songs on the album that really did stay that later on in the album that stayed with me for days. But this one, I, I listen to it. I'm absolutely blown away at how musically sublime it is, and all the layers and the storytelling and the visuals it evokes. But feeling wise, I just kind of mm. move past it and move on from it afterwards. Yeah, it's for me. There's a few things there as well. Why that might be? I mean, I I suggest that I do love it, and they play. This is oh yeah. One, I mean, I love it now. I mean, I like yeah, like it now. This is one song that they from the album they have picked out to stand alone that they do play live quite a lot. Mm. Um, and I love how free the band sound on it to just go nuts. Yeah. You know, Rother's guitar kind of squealing at points and, you know, H shrieking and the keys just... It, it's I, I, I love hearing them sound that free um, to just experiment with, with sounds and textures. And it's something I've always, ever since this song, I've wanted them to do more of. Um, to just really play with atmosphere because they're so bloody good at it. Because it's about drugs, right? I I can't relate. That's not ever been my scene. Maybe as well there's there's not enough in some elements of this story that I can relate to, which makes it sound like I can't empathise with someone who's perhaps been abused or, or run away from home or had a troubled up. And that's not true because I can, but because... I know it's about someone that didn't exist. Yes, there are people that... For instance, it's like, go to Meridian's Gaza. Mm. Off of sounds that can't be made. Every time, when particularly when I hear it live, we get to that bit where he sings, it just ain't right. Yeah. I cry. Yeah. Because that's a real situation. And H seems devastated by it. That it and the injustice comes through... And so that is a song that I can connect to emotionally because it's real and it just ain't right. Now this... Yeah. So this is kind of... We had this experience we're back with Forgotten Sons. Yeah, yeah. When we, we laughed because Fish's cousin got a brick thrown at him. No, we... Okay, we didn't laugh. Well, we did. I cut it out. No, but that's not what we were laughing at. Uh, no, we weren't laughing at that. We were laughing at Fish trying to write a song about the troubles in Northern Ireland and using, you know, the brick being thrown at his cousin as justification. Um, so it wasn't being told from Fish's point of view. Yeah. Fish's direct experience. And that, I think, is something that does happen on Brave a lot. Mm. However, when you... There are also songs on here where it... I, I mean, I... Living with the Big Lies, one that does, I, I, I do feel what H is feeling there because I think that's written from his point of view. Mm. Yeah, I think he does feel desensitised by all the shit going on in the world and the world being through Garzy. I buy it. Yeah. Whereas this one, I love it as a piece of music. I love it as a, yeah, I love it as a piece of music. And I love his voice on it and I love yeah. all of it, but yeah, I don't connect emotionally with it. Yeah. And I tend, it doesn't tend to stay with me mm. for whatever reason. It doesn't mean, you know, it's obviously it's a great song. So before we move on from yeah. goodbye to all that, I should just point out the um, the fact that, that, yeah, this song, which is about this girl and drugs and all of that, 
I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. If I haven't, I'll mention it again. Is that whenever he sings it live, H, when it gets to that bit where he says, hold your breath, H sings, hold your breasts. Does he? Listen. <laughs> Listen to any live Has version. he admitted to this? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Hold your breasts. Oh, he's got to make it fun somehow. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Hold your breasts till you feel it begin. <laughs> He's a cheeky boy. Yeah. I tell you, he is. He's Sid, you know, Sid James from the Carry On films in bloody rock star form. <laughs> <laughs> so the next song, Hard As Love, mm-hmm. another Helmer Hogarth composition, lyrically. Mm-hmm. So does that mean it was written before? Don't know, if I'm honest. Not sure. I wouldn't be surprised, but um, but anyway, off you go. Okay, so... Here I go, continuing on the theme. Um, I didn't particularly like it as a song in its own right, but thought it was a perfect continuation of Goodbye to All That Mad, the previous epic. Um, So trying to make sense of the story uh, was a bit tricky without knowing what the actual story was about, but I was guessing that it... To me, it sounded as if someone had was trying to take track the runaway girl down and take her back home. But then there were words in it like, have you heard about the pictures on my bedroom wall? Mm. Baby, nothing else has ever been as hard as love. And I was like, okay, confused. Um, then there were the, uh, the words, we will continue to love you even though the rest of the world hates you right and that mixed with the last verse where it was well I hear that you were looking out to change my faith you can bash me with your books of words hammer me down but you know that love can be as hard as six inch nails did I say that correctly yeah baby nothing else has ever been as hard as love so that mixed with we will continue to love you even though the rest of the world hates you. Now, hang on. I thought it was like mixing, like they'll try, it was Again, some sort that's of religious buried, overtones. a very buried line. Well, it's in there though. Yeah, it's part of I was of trying to piece it. together the story. So I was like, is she being controlled at home? Is, are there religious overtones to this? Because it's like, you know, love can be as hard as six inch nails, could be like, I know they're meant to be nine inch nails, the nails that... Christ was crucified with Mm. so it's like yeah it's difficult but Jesus Christ suffered and you can suffer um so that's where I was I was like oh so someone's trying to track her down and they're trying to control her religiously or you know anyway well I think I don't know basically after all that (laughs) (laughs) could have just said I don't know it would have been quicker I don't think it's um in terms of it how it fits into the album it doesn't necessarily tell a story it, it talks about love. Um, and as H says, from the point of view of an angry girl. Right. Um, yet he said he had to sing it from the POV of a girl because if he sang it from a male point of view, he said it comes across as nasty and predatory. Now, I hadn't ever picked up on any of that until I read the quote from him about it. Um, and that is why when they play it live and we're going to talk... Um, in a future episode more about the, li- the Brave live show why mm-hmm. he dresses up as a uh, 
girl on stage, you know, puts his hair in pigtails, puts on lipstick and makeup. Right. Because he says, if not, it, it comes, comes out. across as creepy. Um, and But it's a song that I think is about just the pain of 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 loving someone and the pain of how... how so that how, doesn't really fit like, in no. with the story. And how, how... Well, it does, I think. But also, but I don't think it's necessarily the pain of... This is my interpretation, the pain of of just romantic love. You know, I think it's about how love can hurt you. Mm. You know, the, the, the loving someone, you open yourself to being vulnerable, to, to being destroyed. Mm. Um, and controlled. And controlled. You know, if, if we're you, talking about, like, the religious side of it. Yeah, which I know there are religious... There, there are religious elements to this story. You know, they're, I'm not always clear on what they are, but, I mean, you know, H dresses up as a priest on stage. So, um, you know, and I think it just comes back to it, it makes you hungry and it makes you high, it makes you suffer and it makes you cry, but it's all worthwhile. It makes you humble, it makes you crawl, it makes you treble, it makes you fall, but it's all worthwhile. It makes you desperate, it makes you dream, it makes you dangerous, it makes you scream, but it's all worthwhile. Taken by itself, I get it. Trying to piece it into the story, I was really struggling. But I think I think it's just it's if you look at Pink Floyd's The Wall album. Yeah. It's not which which tells the story effectively of a a rock star who retreats into himself and builds an emotional wall around himself. Right. It, it the individual songs in that are quite literally bricks in the wall. Things that go into him isolating himself from the world. And I think that's oh, how I, I see. see this album. Okay. You know, yes. so, you know, it, it, it's it's not, these aren't diary entries. Yeah, it's not I told like, you I was approaching it in the wrong way. Yeah, I think, I think you know, it's not like Hard As Love starts with, on uh, January the 4th, 1993, yeah, no. No, I started I going out with Johnny. Uh, and, you know, and then this happened and then this happened. It's not, it, it's... It's talking about how, you know, whether through loving our parents, whether through loving God, whether through loving a guy or whatever, you know, she's got her. Every time she's loved, she's got her. Mm. And that has contributed to her ending up on that bridge. Yeah. That's how I see this song. Yeah. And that makes much more sense than my interpretation. It is, it should be said, probably one of their heaviest rock songs is it? They've done, I think, in terms of traditional rock so songs. So what's your take on it then? Do you like the sound of it, considering um, your history with... Yeah. Uh, for a long time I didn't. Uh, and at some point when the album started to click for me, I started to like it. Uh, it isn't... I've realised that I just dislike Marillion doing rock songs and heavier stuff. I just don't think it's something they always do well. However, Hard As Love is one that they do well, I think. Yeah, and it fits so well as a follow-up to the previous song. Yeah, it's got... But, it, again, it's sort of got that same unhinged feel about it that the H is sort of just off the chain and raging. Um, and, it, it, you know, considering how restrained he was on Holidays in Eden, mm. you know, to hear him acting the songs as yeah. well as just singing them he's yeah. acting them yeah that is so different to holidays point. in eden yeah that's a good point that you make there um and it's one that they have played 
on its own, they do an amazing acoustic version of it. Um, I, I love the acoustic version of it. I think I've heard the acoustic There's, version. There is one on the on the remaster, the recent deluxe edition. I like, yes, I like the acoustic version a lot more. There's also a version of it on their Acoustic Less Is More album, which you should have a listen to. Um, I think you'd like that. But mm. for me, um, it works, again, in, in the context of the album, which yeah. so much of this album does. And I... I um, there were times in the past where I would skip Hard as Love, but I don't now because I, I, because because more these days when I listen to this album, I just throw myself into it. Yeah. Uh, and go with it. Yeah. Let it take you along. The Hollow Man. Yes, The Hollow Man. This, for me, was a turning point in the album. Because from this point on, uh, I know everyone's not like a massive fan of Paper Lies. I didn't mind it that much. But from this point on, I really, really started to love the album like even, really even love alone, the songs alone again in the lap of luxury. oh actually yeah because <laughs> i know what you think of that okay yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i really love hollow man like it's one of my all-time favorite meridian songs that i've listened to to date <laughs> i'm sure there's many more i haven't discovered yet but um yeah absolutely love this song it's, it's gorgeous it's it's something extra it's something else it's like it's got it's so beautiful so melancholic so touching it's so personal which i think was really courageous of age mm. he's not even pretending to be the girl i know i don't it it's always slightly thrown me that he didn't call this like the hollow girl or or i don't know it, it i don't I don't know where it fits in with the album. What's really interesting is the Brave movie, which, by the way, everyone, we were going to do the Brave movie as as part of the album as a whole, but we're going to save it for when we do an episode on the videos because the band, instead of making individual videos for the singles off this album, they decided to make a movie instead. So we're going to save it for that, partly because we are a little bit braved out. Um, but anyway, yeah, in that, you can see the guy who made the film trying to make, <laughs> make sense of where the hollow man yeah. fits. But you know what? As I listened to the album and I came to hollow man, I didn't even care. Like I, I was care. just like, I don't know how this fits in the story. I don't care. It fits atmospherically. I don't care. It fits atmospherically. Exactly. But it's such an amazing song that it's like, I'm, I'm just happy that it exists and it's on the album. Yeah. I don't care how it fits in with the rest of it. I'll tell you what I love about it is how restrained it is. Um, and up until now, it, it's been so rare for when Marillion have done a song and, you know, some of my favourite Marillion songs I'm talking about here, such as After Me and from the, the previous album, Waiting to Happen, they they tend to then go big at some point. This song yeah. never does. Yeah, and I love true. that it doesn't. Mm. Marillion have got this thing that they call the dinosaur scale. Right. Have I told you about this? They uh, call it the I, dinosaur scale, I, I, yeah. yeah. Where their songs start off like, like like at the tail of a dinosaur. They go big and then go small again at the end like a dinosaur's head. Mm. Um, they call that, that's a songwriting technique. I mean, they're 
it's self-mockery. But um, but this is a song that absolutely doesn't do that. It just stays at the dinosaur's tail. And I just love... Because that's a really brave thing for them to do, pun not intended, because it's not what they've done in the past. And mm. I love that they've just kind of gone, we'll just sit back and let the music stay at that level. And but, it and, works But that was it. perfect for his placement in the album as yeah. well, between two quite rocky songs. Yes. The album benefited from having Hollow Man there. And what I will say as well, lyrically... I've got some quotes from H here, which I was a bit like, whoa. Um, but lyrically, they come back to that theme that we talk about with him, of him almost being an observer to his own behaviour. Yeah. That he he keeps coming back to in the lyrics, that, you know, there's a version of him that's almost like a passenger in his own life. Mm. That, yeah, sometimes I worry for him, if I'm honest. Really? When I read in those. what way? Why? Well, because he... It, it, you almost get the sense, and yeah, I'm just this is just me extrapolating from lyrics, but a sense that he perhaps feels he hasn't always behaved in a way that that I guess that that he has an ideal for how he should be behaving, and right. when, when he doesn't adhere to that, there's that cognitive dissonance. Yeah, that's what when he does talks about these things, you know, whether it's in, um like uh, the release there's a man in my head who I think it came from the screen or the bible uh neverland i want to be someone who someone would want to be mm. he never lives up to his own not never <laughs> but in these songs he's not living up to his own high standards yeah that's what it feels like and so sometimes he sort of almost detaches himself from mm. from that and sort of says that's a different person to to the real me mm. that's that's how it seems at times and yet there are also songs going forwards where he completely holds his hand up and kind of goes, I screwed up. Right. Um, and where he, it's like he's owning it and going, no, that is me. <laughs> and I messed up and I need to fix that. And this, But this feels like but one of those... I don't know, because I didn't get the... I felt a lot of ownership in these lyrics. Like, I think I have become one of the hollow men as I shine on the outside more these days. But then it's like, that doesn't, that feels like he's, he's saying owning up to it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? But, but then you go into the line, I can feel the outside feeding on my inside. Ooh, yeah. But, wow. Yeah. Like eating away. Yes. Oh, uh, but I put, I took that to be the circumstances that he's in. But then he also says, I think I've become one of a pair of men. Yeah. So yeah. that gets to what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, it's a feeling I've been having for some time. I look down upon myself and watch my movements. Yeah. A blind eye sees the fragile vandalised. My God, I love that line. Mm. That's God, he's such a good lyricist. He's he is, so isn't he? underrated. I mean, the lyrics in this song are insane, insanely incredible yeah they're so good see the lies behind our eyes see the will to win we'll buy you and we'll say you sell you but perhaps we'll save your skin god and then it, that outro sit quietly and listen to the breeze the hollow and the lonely listen to sniff the air for something we can use we're tin hard and we rattle when we're shaken mm. oh i gave me goosebumps <laughs> um so uh, i've 
quite a lot that H has said about this song over the years compared to some of the others. Some of this I've taken from Meridian, Explanation of Song Elements. Cheers, Fraser. Uh, as H says, The Holy Man um, was a piece of confession about where I was at personally. I was coming unhinged. I was becoming increasingly shiny and Jean-Paul Gaultier clad on the outside and lost inside. My wife used to find me fetal on the lounge floor sometimes. Wow. When she came in. It was touring, trying to be the father of two small kids and not being cut out for it, or so I felt. Being in love with too many people and too many things and just trying to balance all that and deliver some kind of amazing piece of work that would revive the band's fortunes. It was a statement about what I sometimes fear I might become. The corrupting effect of being a star, I suppose. I'm very self-analytical and I try to examine my own behaviour a lot. And you know, I still can't try to decide whether I like myself or not. Um, however, there was also, it wasn't entirely personal, though it might be, depending on um, how you want to interpret it. He says, I'm also talking about the abuse of the kind of power that fame gives you in terms of human touch. You must be very careful with people when you're in my position. You can take things from people when you're famous. They'll do things for you they won't normally do for other people. And very casually, you can take things without thinking. That's what I meant when I said I looked down upon myself and watched my movements. A blind eye sees the fragile vandalised. That sense of throwing stones through stained glass windows, taking beautiful, fragile things and destroying them carelessly, which is, again, an image I've always touched already touched upon in the space with the man in the tram crashing your car in Amsterdam mm. Ooh, he's hard on himself but maybe um, he needed to be yeah maybe he needed to be I think he's be. honest and yeah. he's very aware even when he seems to be caught up in some uh, a force outside him of himself that's quite strong he still stays there's a part of him that stays quite aware of what's going on mm. yeah yeah but sometimes it as i say it feels like it it almost seems out of his control yeah the outside seems out yeah. of his control um and that's what i mean by passenger which again yeah. actually without meaning to it comes back to exactly what he just mentioned then the, the crashing your car in amsterdam yeah in, in the space I mean, I really feel for him, especially after you read that out. It's like, it's, yeah. I mean, he had the, the, the pressure of, as he said there, reviving the band's fortunes I know, on his shoulders. I know. Because he was the new boy. Yeah, everything that we talked about in previous episodes. Yeah. He said it here. Yeah. I don't envy his job in those years. No, no, not at all. And still wasn't given the credit, really, that he deserved. Because, mm. you know, even now, 32 years since he joined, he's still overshadowed by fish, unfortunately, in too many circles. Mm. We, who love the band, know different. But even yesterday, I listened to a podcast with Fish talking about the effect of Brexit on the music industry um, and the ability of musicians to tour. And even in that, he's, he's, it's Fish X of Marillion. All right, at least they said X in, in this instance. Yeah. But... Fish will well, still yeah. always be in it, you know, yeah, intertwined with with Marillion. Well, as we said a few episodes back when we watched Gardener's World, not that long ago, yeah, only a few weeks ago, he was introduced as Fish from Marillion. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even say X. No, I don't think if I remember correctly. Oh dear. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, an amazing song. Absolutely. Um, it was a single. Disappeared without a trace. 
How? It's not very commercial, is it? It's, I guess not. Yeah, I guess. And it's a subtle it's, song. Yeah. It's really subtle. That's true. It's subtle musically. So it's not like it's got a catchy hook that... Mm, yeah, probably not the best choice as a single, but... What would you have chosen? As a standalone <laughs> no. song, I would listen to it any day of the week. Yeah, it's lovely. So on to one that I know you're not a fan of, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury, the other single. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Also disappeared without a trace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this also this segues into a piece of music called Now Wash Your Hands. Yes. Which, just before we carry on, I should say that apparently that piece of music dates back to Clutching at Straws. They had Get it, out of here. Yeah, had it knocking around for years. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So off you go. Um, okay, so this is what my take on it was. The first thought I had was, wow, that's such a contrasting start to Hollow Man. <laughs> Which, okay, yeah. that's it's nice to have contrast in an album. Um, I wasn't sure what it was about 100%. I interpreted it as, we're back in the story of the runaway girl. She's back at home, uh, but she's lonely and unhappy there. Her father feels guilty and terrible about what he did. But they're all just trying to pretend that nothing happened and to go on with life. The girl can't forget, however, and she wants to escape again and she wants to go to the sea. Um, once again, I didn't love the sound of the song, but I think it works as a piece of the story. And uh, I love the Now Wash Your Hands bit. I thought mm. that's very... The tinkling of the keyboard and the strumming of the bass, that was absolutely gorgeous. Well, you, sounding in terms of what it's about, you're spot on. We talked about it a bit last week. Yeah, this sense of uh, uh, which I'd, I'd never understood, which what entirely what now wash your hands meant. I thought I knew, but yeah, as we said last week, it's about the girl's mum trying yeah. to trying to clean in the house to to maintain a veneer of respectability, keep a facade of cleanliness. Yeah, even though their consciences aren't clean. Yeah, because there's something horrible and evil going on underneath. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's essentially it. Alone again in the lap of luxury. It's an ironic title, isn't it? Really, it's the irony of you know everything seems perfect, yeah, but, but it isn't. Yeah. Um, uh, How do you feel about the song? Well, it's an interesting one because when we said last week that it might be one of the songs we took off the album, because mm. I still, you know, I maintain seventy three minutes. It's too long. Mm -hmm. Um. I still think that, even though quite a few people said to me, no, we'd leave Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury on. What I will say is I don't dislike Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury. It's a song that's grown on me over the years. I didn't love it for a while. Mm. I used to skip it. I actually quite like it now. Um, and I'll be happy if they played it live. I wouldn't go to the loo. I'd listen to <laughs> wow. it. Wow. But I still maintain the album would be stronger without it. Yeah, I uh, think they could have edited it out. I don't hate it either. Don't love it, but I don't dislike it. What what I will say is the reason I don't feel that it fits is that there's something very, or it's probably in a lot of ways one of the more commercial and traditional and less um, ambitious songs on the album. Mm. And when a lot of people were sort of saying to me, oh, but you need it, you need it, you need to have the contrast with the slower bits and, the, you know, you need something that picks up at that point. I disagree. I'm, you know, 
when I, I was trying to think of like, you know, if it's like if Talk Talk Spirit of Eden album, which is okay, it's not a commercial album, but generally considered now by people as incredibly influential and um, an absolute classic. If they suddenly in the middle of that decided to stick an upbeat pop rock song, it would have destroyed the flow of the album. And I maintain that the Brave could have been an album like that if, if, and I'll say it here, if they didn't screw up that flow with Paper Lies and Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury. Um, Hard as Love, I don't think does it, oddly, because it, it, Hard as Love is like an outpouring of rage and frustration, whereas there's something slightly too polished about Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury and Paper Lies for me. They feel too considered. And mm. I think if you took those two out, you do not need, in, and you went from Hollow Man, yes, into Brave. I'm sorry, yeah, you've had Harder Love. You go from Hollow Man into Brave, and then you've got a Great Escape, which again picks it I up. I think it could work, yeah. And I think I, it could work. I, I do. The running order then would, would work absolutely fine. I think lyrically, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury is important to the album, but nonetheless, musically, I just, I just don't feel it, it's not even that it doesn't fit. I think it, det- it, it it's to the album's detriment. Mm. And that's not saying that the track itself is bad because I don't think it is. I think it's a decent song, but it does not fit. Um, and on top of that, I, I was going to say, I hope this doesn't sound like it's a, it, derogatory or whatever, but actually, sorry, it is. I, it feels like a slightly like the band got cold feet <laughs> thought we need to put something a bit more commercial sounding yeah. on here uh and yeah something it's a lot more simple yeah sounding, so it feels like it? they kind of want we need to put a single on here mm. even though it's not really a great single it's not a Kaylee. i think that's kind of what happened personally but consequently you know you know you would have hoped they'd have learned by this point that they're not a single band and you don't need to do that make a work of art it's the equivalent for me of i don't know Name a famous work of art. Oh, let's say the Sistine Chapel, right? If it had a logo in the corner of the the, the ceiling that says "sponsored by McDonald's," that's what. I'm... <laughs> wow, that's harsh. Yeah, but I'm not knocking the song. I'm yeah, saying that the song—that's the feeling it gives you—doesn't fit. It was somehow, as well, because Kaylee and Lavender, right? They're commercial-sounding songs. Right? Lavender's basically an interlude on the album. Um, but they were they do fit the flow because they fit the flow because it it it's their love songs. Mm. It was a alone again. The lap of luxury isn't a love song, and it feels too kind of almost upbeat for what it is. Yeah, and too commercial for what it's about. And this is going to be something that I'd come back to. I think on this podcast again and again, there are times I just wish Marillion would, ironically pun intended be a little braver sometimes uh and focus more on the side that produces the likes of um goodbye to all that than the side of them that produces alone again in the lap of luxury and i like alone again in the lap of luxury and you know as i've said on it i love marillion's poppy side i love it but i would also love to see them produce an album like spirit of eden by talk talk because I think they've got it in them, but it always seems like they kind of lose their bottle at the last minute. Mm. It's, it feels like they go so far and then pull back from that. Mm. 
and need to kind of you know follow like, follow traditional like they song feel like structures. They need to balance it out a bit, balance yeah. out that kind of complex sound that they they've got in the other songs with something a bit more simple. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure Alone Again, The Lucky Luxury is far from simple. I'm no, it's sure not it simple. Is. I know but, it's not but simple. But it does but sound more... But compared to Goodbye to All That... Yeah, it's more traditional. Yeah, more traditional. There you go. That's probably yeah, a better a word better, for it. Yeah. yeah. It's um, not simple. I know it's not, but yeah, I couldn't think of the word. Um, so that's my issue with it. Yeah. Is that I just, just take it off the album. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of Paper Lies, the next track. And you've got an album... Yeah, I'm saying it. it, it it's It's pretty much up there with with it would be an absolute all-time classic mm. it's just editing it it's not like they're yeah it's not like they're change bad, what's there. it's not like they're bad songs but edited out of the album it's like you might have great first draft of something you have to cut bits out in order to make it snappier and sharper right and he, here's the thing put could have held alone again the lap of luxury over for afraid of sunlight i think it would have worked fine on that album it would have fit better mm. for me and i'm not saying wipe the song out of existence i'm just saying this album isn't for me where it belongs right okay there you go sorry for the rant everyone i know you can all tell me that i'm wrong again <laughs> i'd never dream of doing such a thing god forbid <laughs> Paper Lies. Yeah, everyone's favourite. This one seems to be unanimously agreed upon that people don't want it on the album. Can I just say, I can't look at the lyrics with this without laughing because it starts with, Good morning! <laughs> I don't know, it always amuses me. <laughs> Good morning! Anyway. Okay. Sorry. I don't know why that makes me laugh. Yeah. I, think, I think all songs should start with a greeting. Hello, sir. <laughs> they should all leave me goodbye <laughs> you're sincerely bye then anyway sorry that's by the by wow. off you go paper lies well i wrote um i'm gonna guess that paul isn't a massive fan of this one this is before i'd even spoken to you about it i mean i, d- I don't hate it i said it's a quite a 90s sound on the guitar i'm not sure what i meant by that no okay. i don't because i think it sounds well i think it, it, it and i said this on the last episode it, it I, I've always hated it. You've always hated it. I don't hate it. No, no. Wait, I haven't finished my sentence. Oh, sorry. Until I started re-listening to it for the podcast. And now I don't Get, hate it. What? Yeah, weird, eh? No way. Yeah, it clicked. Wow. Um, and it clicked because I realised how much like The Who it sounds. It could have come off of Quadrophenia. Trying to piece it in with the story... I was guessing that it was a song about the media profiting off of people's personal tragedies, taking people to pieces with their pieces. And so I thought maybe the girl in the story, our protagonist, had fabricated a story and sold it to the media in order to fund her escape. Oh, my God. So she could run away a second time and go back to the sea. Mm. Um, I like... 
I like the bit where when H sings, listen, do you want to know a secret? We can print our own money here. If you let us do a piece on you, we can take you to pieces. I like how it pans from left ear to right ear. Yeah. That was a really cool effect. I, I That made me happy. <laughs> um, and I love the trippy songs at the end and how it flows seamlessly into Brave. Mm. Apart from that, it's not one of my favourite songs. Well, look, here's the thing. Again, I'll take it off the album. Yeah, I'll take it off the album. What I don't like... Apologies to Mark Kelly here. Anyway, I don't like your keyboard line marking. Oh, the, God. I don't like the descending keyboard thing. That do, 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 that bit. Right. Um, I like everything else about it. I, I don't like that for some reason. Oh, okay. It, well, I don't. Um, that's the bit that, that I realised the rest of the song I do like. So I just don't like that organ, that descending your, organ. That bit coloured your whole opinion of the song for all these years. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mean it's it's if you don't like it's the it, holidays in Eden. Part of the reason that's a steamer is is because the the courses are horrible. You know, right, you can't yeah. you you know if you enjoy a verse and then it goes into a horrible chorus. Yeah, that's, that's true. ruined, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like if someone made a cake and put a dead bird on it, oh you wouldn't kind of go, "This is a nice cake." You go. This, I don't like this cake. There's a dead bird on it. If the rest of the cake was fine, but the dead bird was sat on top. Yeah, but your dead bird is like a piece of keyboard. Yes. Okay. Which I, from, from henceforth, I should call those bits in song, Mimillion songs that I don't like, the dead bird bit. <laughs> the dead bird on a cake bit. No. <laughs> I might so get a T-shirt you... made up with that. Dead bird on a cake? Yeah. Yeah, do it. Well, when, um, whenever the next Marillion weekend happens, by the way, I'm going to do some Beampod t-shirts. If anyone would like them, we'll sort it out. Oh I'm actually sending us an email if you would like a Beampod t-shirt. That's good. Who knows when that will be? Yeah, well, we don't know, but I'm just saying. Okay. I think, they, sh- like I think they should have us support the band. We should do a live Beampod at the Marillion weekend. No way. I'm every, too every, shy. Everyone can start. You can do it. Everyone can start um, petitioning Lucy now. We'll do a no. live episode of Beampod. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you come on. <gasps> oh my god. Fine, goodness. we'll just do one in our chalet. We'll do one in our chalet. Um So uh <laughs> Yeah, so that was a, a left turn. Yeah, a twist, wasn't it? I was I think, not expecting that from you. Well no, was all. I and it was the Stephen Wilson mix that, that I finally it finally twigged with me. And it's mm. not the sort of millennial song I generally like, but once I realised again, as I said, how much like the Who it sounded, it's like Oh, I get it. Yeah, I know what you're, they're what they're trying to do. Yeah, I know what they're going for here. Yeah, so it's no wonder that Steve Agarth was approached about being in a musical revival of The Who's Tommy oh, around really? this time. Yeah, playing the title character, right. the deaf, dumb, and blind kid. And he said no. Or no, he it fell apart. It never happened. It never uh, happened. Yeah, no, he was asked to to play oh, the title role been great. On, on Broadway. Get out of here. Yeah. What a story. What a story. That would have been cool. Uh, lyrically, it's it, it does a sort of weird fish thing in that there's a lot of puns in here. You probably wouldn't have picked up on them because the puns are mainly British newspapers, some of which don't exist anymore. Oh, right, like um, what? When you look oh, in, just to express Yeah, what he's when thinking. you look into the mirror, if you look into the sun too long. Oh, I um, see. That's clever. How uh, we living only for today. Today was a, a the first colour newspaper in the UK. Right. Um... 
must a man take all the mail will bring the mail Oh. Uh, yeah, so um, it's you know fish loved his puns in his lyrics. Yes, he did. It's a ho- home my Hogarth lyric, by the way. I think it's pretty obvious what this is about. Yeah, it's fake, fake news. To, the song. I was trying to fit it into the story, and but it was um, know, it was inspired by the death of Robert Maxwell, who was the father of Ghislaine Maxwell, who oh. um, notorious of late. He was the the newspaper mogul behind the mirror there was a scandal because they hadn't been paying to the company pension funds i think um oh, and then he died which some people think he may have faked his death or was murdered fell off his yacht which i think there's um isn't there a splash in this song um is there i'm sure there's a buried so, splash in the song which is meant to be him falling off his yacht so in actual fact this the song has got nothing to do with the story doesn't of the girl seem on the like it i mean i know some people have because i think i said may have said this last week I didn't think it fit with the story. Another reason to take it off the album. Well, my version um, fit with the story. Yeah, well done. Uh, yes, we'll stick to your version. I mean, I, I think thematically it kind of fits with living with the big lie. Yeah, it does fit with living with the big but lie. But why does it come here? Lie. Yeah, why is it here? Why is it Why is it not part of living with the big lie? So anyway, I don't know. But yeah, take it off the album. Simple as that. Then we're done. Then we're good. Then we're, then, then we're, we're on a... The, you know, then we would have gone Hollow Man, Brave. Wow. Great Escape. Yes. Made Again. Would have, I would have loved that. Everyone who is loved. arguing with me that you need Alone Again, The Lap of Luxury and Paper Lies on here, you cannot tell me that, that there isn't a better album exists that goes Bridge, Living with a Big Lie, Run Away, Goodbye to All That, Hard as Love, Hollow Man, Brave, Great Escape. Made again. Mm. Sorry, that's amazing. That's a, a flawless album. Yeah. Because those three songs saved the album for me. The last three songs. Well, well, let's, Hollow, let's go. I loved on, Hollow then. Man. Then, you know, this is on my first couple of listens. Loved Hollow Man. Came to um, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury and Paper Lies and was like, hmm, not sure. And then the last three songs came in and it. They are so powerful. And I was just like, if I could just have the second half of the album, I'd be really but you've happy. you've said this, but Alona getting the lap of luxury and paper lies yeah, are I on know, there. Yeah, I know, like, in, in You've said this version, before. In our version, yeah. they, they won't be. They'll be edited out. Um, yeah, Brave. Oh, I mean, what a start. What a song. What a start. What a song. What a song. It's, oh, it's something else, isn't it? It's like just so... The start, especially, is so haunting and eerie. Uh, it's like the bagpipes over that low, dense hum. It made me think of Outlander. Oh, my God. Made me, <laughs> made me imagine. It actually gave me goosebumps. Yeah. So I, I felt like I was in a dark, misty place. You know, that the, the, that dark night before the dawn and there's like mist everywhere and you're near the water well this is this definitely one of those songs that you can see the influence of castle marouat yeah on there yes it's just it's claustrophobic but in a good way yeah i mean it's just (laughs) dripping with atmosphere um and h's voice on it is particularly yeah gorgeous yeah well he's doing some new things with his voice here uh and but then when that voice drops away and it just goes down to that musical, the the, the, the bit of music, I always think of it sort of cycles around the, the with the, the sort of bells that 
it's almost like almost like a chant of the music. You can sort of imagine a procession of some sort of religious mm. guy in a robe kind of shaking a incense burner or oh, something. Yeah. You know, the bit I mean yeah. in the song. Oh, God, what a song. Yeah. I don't, I, you know what? I don't, I barely have words for it because I just, I lo- I've always loved this so much and it is one of my favourite Marillion songs, bar none. And I love The Great Escape, which comes next. But I, I do. I love the title track even more. Mm. I love this. This is my favourite song on the whole is album. Is it? Oh, wow. Saying that actually Made Again comes close. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Made Again is my absolute favourite but on the album. But um, it's, do you know what I wrote down? It's so interesting to listen to. So different for it's, them. You know, it. there's just so much in there that, captures your attention what i love it's captivating what i love as well is it sounds really it's gonna sound weird but really organic yeah there's something very warm about i don't know it as there's well. like a hum to it so it could be that like a low hum mm. there's, a, there's droning in there yeah and that could and i don't be just what... mean the singer <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's what gives it the organic mm. kind of texture yeah, uh, I'm going to say some more about that actually in next week's episode. Next week's on um, when Mark, well, next song? week. Yeah. Oh no. no, we're talking about the web next week. No, we're not. Oh, we're not. We're going to talk. We're going to have a because this has gone on slightly longer than I expected. We are going to do a third ep on Brave where we do the post bag. Of course. Um, but I also want to talk about the Stephen Wilson mix. Ah, okay. Uh, when we when we do that. All right. Because there's stuff to say. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But yeah, there is, there's, um, it's just one of the most atmospheric songs they've ever done. Mm. And absolutely. And there's just so many layers, so many sounds in there. And the, oh, the chanting. Yeah. It kind of does. It's just wordless. Oh. It's an experience. It's, it's, it's a real, I say, I haven't got words for it because it, it's more about, you know, obviously we get what it is. It feels like it, you know, it's it's almost like a, a hymn about the girl mm. for me. It, it feels there's something very churchy about this song. I've just realised I tied this song to Paper Lies oh. with the meaning. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Um, I wrote... I, know, <laughs> I mean, let's wow. see how off the mark it can be. Cake, um, meat, dead bird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote I was guessing that it was about the girl escaping again because in it H mentions that she'd never lied before such a plain deceit everyone would eventually know mm. so I thought oh is she regretting having lied to the media and the shame and the regret of that has now led to her contemplating <gasps> ending her life Mm, did she tell the media about her dad and her yeah. family? Yeah, that's and why. That's I why she ran away. It to paper lies. Yeah. Mm. But then the baby sounds threw me off. Yeah. But now I've linked that back because you said some of the songs go back to her birth. Yeah, maybe that's that's all. So harkening back. Who to. knows? Strange, isn't it? I, I I don't know what to say about it other than my God, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in a way, I don't really care that much what it's about and how it ties into the story because just listening to it in itself as itself mm. for the sound of it is so beautiful and transporting. And again, 
I wish Marillion would do more like this. Yeah. Because it this it's it sounds so different to anything else they do. And I just wish they wouldn't always I'm sorry, I'm gonna sound like I don't like them. They're my favourite band for God's sakes. But because when they're they're good, they're transcendental. Yeah. And this is an example of that where they're kind of pushing themselves to break kind of traditional songwriting structures and do something that, that relies upon atmosphere and music and texture. And because of moments like Brave and Goodbye to All That, it's because of those moments that I kind of... is why I love them and why I kind of... I'm always looking for that. There's some of it in... Yeah, you know, they've done it again in places over the years, but but often it's sort of very fleeting. Mm. They, you know, often it's not a whole song, or it'll be part of an epic. There's moments in the levers that 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 kind of almost get there for me. That, that but that doesn't have the organic thing that this does. Mm. It's it's it feels this song feels like it's alive. Yeah, it really does. It feels like it's almost mystical. Yeah, it, it is. Oh, maybe like that bit at the end of um, In Misplaced Childhood. Oh, oh, what's it called? Blind, Blind Curve. Curve. Yeah. yeah, it's very... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. mystical. And interestingly, it's kind of in a similar place in the album as yeah. well, towards the end. Yeah, true. Yeah, I've never, I've never linked it to Blind Curve musically before, but you're right, it has got that same... Those same levels, yeah, those same that deep, that's like it's rising up from yeah. underneath, pulsing from below, yeah, almost from the yeah. underworld, like a a, a a breathing of a grampus. <laughs> What's a grampus? I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) on that note... I've got nothing more to add. (laughs) On that note, let's go out on Grampus. Yeah, great, guys, good, made again's good. End of episode. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) The Great Escape, not a single. I think... Uh, In the... Well, it was. Oh, it was. In the Netherlands. Um, And how well did it do? (laughs) Same old, same old. This is, of course... Uh, if you had the final version of the album, this was either the final track or the penultimate track because there's two versions of The Great Escape. What do you mean? So some albums didn't have Made Again? No, they did. The album, its first pressing on vinyl, had a double groove. Right. And depending on where the needle fell, you either got Made Again or The Great Escape followed by Made Again. Yeah. Or you got a different version of The Great Escape Oh. Uh, followed by Seven Minutes of Water. What was that called again? I've got it. Spiral Remake. That's it, Spiral Remake. Yeah. yeah. Because what basically what happened was the original version of The Great Escape ended on a downer. Yeah. It ended with the girl jumping. And I think some in the band were a little bit nervous that the album was way too bleak and petitioned for there to be a happy ending. Yeah, and I was about to say happy ending tacked on, but the but made again is so good that I yeah. I, I can't say it's tacked on. No, um, oh, I needed made again after listening to 
the whole album. And also the the the, the Great Escape, the depressing ending of it, misses out the astonishing falling from the moon section. Yeah. Which, which is, is like my just, favourite bit. Yeah, mine too. I love the falling from the moon section. Yeah. That's, that's just on another level. It's like again. the song just takes off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's when you so fall on, powerful. Yeah, when you fall it, yeah the lyrics A bridge is not a high place, the 52nd floor. Icarus would know a mountain isn't far to fall when you've fallen from the moon. Oh. I mean, whoa, oh, that just hits me actually, right Actually, you actually read soul. that. That made me feel a bit, bit emotional. Yeah. See, there, there you go. This album has got emotion on it. That is H's magic. That's that's H's transcendence. Well, when he is uh, able to, just to let you, you know, it, not is, write it that. is a Helma Hogarth lyric. I don't know who wrote which words, but yeah. Well, whoever wrote those words... That that is transcendent because they have they have accessed another dimension. Yeah. This song, in terms of what it is, I just think it's a suicide note. I mean, yeah. obviously not literally. Yeah. But that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it reads like her sort of last will and testament. But I I thought when I was listening to it, I'd love to have this play at my funeral. Oh my god! Well, funny enough, I just the, my favourite line is they shower you with flowers when they bury you oh, oh I know <laughs> oh, oh man it's just amazing yeah um, waiting for the ringing and the bright light like you don't even have to say what that's about and you just know yeah and then there was a guitar riff at about one minute fifty Oh, yeah. that, oh, oh yes, I wanted to... Now, I'd like you to listen to this and tell me if you agree. There's a guitar riff at around a minute 50 that slightly reminded me of the guitar at the start of Power. And oh, I'm not mad yeah. about it. I love it. I love the similarity. Well, I'm glad you're not mad about it. That would be an extremely petty thing to get <laughs> mad <Sorry>. about. <laughs> I'm livid about that. Livid. I can't no, I believe they really did that. Cool. Yeah, like, well, oh, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think you know they've done other songs that sound like other songs of theirs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know it's inevitable. They've, they've written hundreds of songs and bits, but I mean, this is the this is the band at the their absolute best. Yeah, absolutely, their absolute best. Going from brave into this, it's just like what is going on? Yeah, it's the album took such a massive turn for me. Yeah, at this, well, it started with Hollow Man. I know I've said I have to include Hollow yes, Man. Yes, yes, and and then when Brave came on, from then onwards, it was a different album. Yeah, it was like on another level. But but coming off of Holidays in Eden, this isn't you know as we established. I didn't hate Holidays in Eden as a whole, and there's lots I like about it. But it's like I said last week, it's like. They're just operating at another level, and and uh, a level that, if I'm honest, I think in my heart at that point, I didn't know Marillion were capable of. Really? Yeah, you know, I love them. Yeah. But it's like, wow, <laughs> they're they're like kind of world class here. Mm. You know, they're writing music that is on a par with any other big band, and not only that, but they're making art here. It's not just music, they're making art. Yeah. Which such a shame about alone looking in the lap of luxury and paper lies, but never mind. And that that's that's what's different about this album, is it feels like a work of art. Yeah, for um, sure. And and it is it's on songs like this that you just it, yeah. It's why although it lost them a lot of fans, it's why I'm still a fan. 
because I know what they're capable of. Even when there have been moments over the years where they might have put out albums where I've kind of gone, ah, that's all right. That's quite, that's, yeah, it's okay. Meridian.com. Um, <laughs> um, well, I look forward to that. No, it's, no, it's got some bits on it. I don't mind. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, but this is why I was confused when you said it lost them a lot of fans because it's like, well, if you just wait to the end, those <laughs> three songs, how can you not like them? Yeah. I mean, how can you not be moved by them? Yeah. Yeah, how can you not be moved by those three songs? How can you not be? Because I am just talking about them. Yeah. Yeah, talking about the lyrics, but but the guitar on this and the it's so such a beautiful song and it it's a song that is just heart-wrenching. Mm, that's it's what heart it is. Heart-wrenching. Yeah. Yeah, and them at their absolute best when they the music and the vocals and the words are in perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. To to evoke an emotion. Yeah. It's like a real synergy. Yeah. That happens. And magic happens when it's magic. when yeah. that occurs. Yeah. And I think that's why some of the earlier songs that I didn't really feel a connection mm. to, it was because the music was there, the harmony was there, but somehow just something didn't click into mm. place with those two things. The way it does now with Brave. And Great Escape. And Made Again. Oh, and yeah, Made Again, but we're not up to that yet. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for our listeners, I decided to shake his glasses at me. (laughs) In my head, I was being being really cool when I was doing that. No. Oh, they're meant to be sunglasses, are they? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I thought I was imagining I was like a cool spy guy. A a cool... um, Super cool spy dude. A cool Iron Maiden fan. Yes. Oh, God. Let's not start that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone. We appreciate the irony of like people not sticking with Brave to the end because of the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of this episode started with 20 minutes of whether Iron Maiden are cool or not. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> whether you can beat up Iron Maiden fans. <laughs> Feels like so long ago. God, it does. We've been on a trip with this. Have we ever? Let's move on to the final track, Made Again. Made Again, yay, my favourite. A single last year, of course. A recorded version. Why didn't they make it a single the first time around? No, because it gave away the ending. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Do you know what I wrote? This is my. This is Brave's childhood's end. Yeah, it is. Because it's got that same energy. And it comes kind of in the same place. And what I was almost. saying about Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury having a kind of traditional structure, mm. um, this does as well. But where it comes in the album, it works. Oh, you just need it. Where yeah. it comes in the album, you're at a point where you're so drained and broken. They needed that. That yeah. injecting the positivity and the upliftment of Made Again is perfect it's medicine it it actually lifts my spirits every time i listen to it it's a helmer lyric is it yeah the whole thing well on the website it doesn't quite credit hogarth as lyrics well on um on itunes the, it was credited to john helmer and the rest comma, of the band wait comma marillion 
And Steve Hogarth. He's probably got a different publishing deal to the rest. I don't know. <laughs> John Hillman, Marillion and Steve Hogarth. No, yeah, and Steve Hogarth. Um, I mean, it It was... It's... I, I haven't got... I just don't know what to say. It's a lovely acoustic ballad thing yeah. that... that yeah, I've never. I've seen this face a thousand times every morning of my life, but I never saw these eyes so clear, free of doubt and pain. It opens with just voice and guitar. Yeah. That that is gorgeous, and then before the rest of the band kick in, but in again acoustic sort of lo-fi sort of way, it's just it's just gorgeous. What? Yeah, and, and it, I want it to be like the theme song for this year as well. Yeah, but it, well, they tried to do that for last year. Yeah, we need it this year because yeah. last year it didn't work. So they a need brand new they, morning. They need to do it again this year. Those like, I woke the, up from a bad dream. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Uh, but the, the but the lovely sort of keyboard rhythm that sort of is almost like sort of flute. Yeah, know, kind of that goes through at the end, uh, and. What I love is it doesn't fade out. It ends in a sort of, you know, triumphant sort of strum. Yeah. And that feels right. It does. It doesn't end with a sort of ellipsis. It ends with a full stop. Yeah. It's at the end, flashing up on the screen. Not the end, question mark. And the sun's come out and it's happy and it's... It feels I, enchanting as well. I feel bad because we're not, we haven't got a lot to say about it other than it's brilliant. Mm. A great song. I do love how uh, it starts off slower and then it's like at around two minutes, it, the music just amps up. Yeah. Live is amazing as well. Remember when... We I saw actually it? sent this song to my friend last week. Did you? She hasn't replied to me yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was... She's defriended you on Facebook. <laughs> it was when... um blocked you. It was when um, Donald Trump left... The White House. Oh, well, yeah, well, Marillion shared it that day yeah, as well. Yeah, I thought it's just, like, yeah. the most perfect song for that day. Um, I mean, she's not a Trump supporter, but... <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you, Can you imagine? That would have been somewhat insensitive. Yeah, that would have been really say, insensitive. Trolling. Yeah, the, these last three songs are three of my favourite Marillion songs. Same. And I think, in fact, three of my favourite songs, full stop, yeah. And to get any album where you could pick out three songs and go, they're three of my favourite songs, that's doing pretty damn good. Yeah. It's so, you know, most you might get one album where you kind of go, that's one of my favourite songs on that album. and But no, here, there's three. Yeah. They run into one another. And it's, they saved the album for me, these and Hollow Man. So I've got four favourite songs. I love me. Hollow Man, don't get me wrong. I absolutely do. Um I'm only saying it's not one of my favourite Marillion songs because I know going forward there's even more that I would say oh, are my okay. favourites that sort of push Hollow Man down a bit. But, yeah, well, but, I'm not up to there yet. Yeah, but Brave, Great Escape and Made Again have, have kept their position in my Marillion charts. I haven't got these written out, by the way, if anyone wants to know what position they are. It's just all, it's an imaginary Marillion top 100. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ever sat down to do that. That's not true, I have. Have you? Yeah, I did it at work one day. Well, well tell us, pray tell, no, this Mr is like, This is like 30 years ago. Well, I would like to know what topped your chart 30 years ago. I don't know, it was 30 years oh, ago. Oh, you can't remember? No. <sighs> so... We Brave. did it. We got to the end. My God, yeah. Well, we're not quite at the end yet because next week we are still going to talk about Brave a bit, but we're going to talk about your opinions of Brave. I want to talk about the live show a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Stephen Wilson remix. Then we're going to have a look at some of your letters. We've got the post bag. The movie, as I said, we're going to hold back for the videos episode. We could even do a goggle box of the movie. We should watch it and record our responses live. We could, oh, we, we are doing do that. that. We're doing that. You've seen it, though. So our, f- our responses is my Not response. for a long time. We're going to have a drink. <laughs> we're going to have a drink. Bring out and, the port. Yeah, and sit down and we're going to watch Brave. <laughs> if you, since you've put it that way, I really don't know what to expect. And I feel a little bit scared. Mm. Anyway. But it could be fun. So with hindsight, Brave, it... it it's not a perfect album, but it comes close to being, well, it's probably in their top five albums, I think. Yeah. It is a musical masterpiece, that yeah. for sure. But I just struggle with the placing of two songs on there. That's all it is. I mean, that's not much. No. I struggle, you know, I, I didn't really connect emotionally to the story. So no. that kind of takes it down a notch for me. And I didn't, really love the this first half half no that's fair enough i appreciated it Mm. i really but you didn't dislike it it, which is good i didn't dislike it either no i didn't Mm. um i did like it but i i didn't love it but then the ending is just so epic Mm. that it overshadows any other opinion where would you say the um where would you rank it in terms of marillion albums so far what would you say out oh of all of them? Goodness. We're talking Fish Ear as well, out of the seven albums you've listened to so far. Do you know far. what? This is, this is like so sad. I don't know if it's sad, but I'm like one of those people that can't let go. Miss Place Childhood's still my favourite. Wow. Like, I actually feel like a connection with Miss Place Childhood for some weird reason. I don't even know why. It's okay. Um, it's a lot of people's favourite. That's still my favourite. Yeah. Well, the next album we're going to do, of course, is uh, Afraid of Sunlight. But that's going to be a few weeks off because next week we've got this brave wrap up. But I can at least finally start listening to it because we've yes. gone through the songs. This is now. partly why we're going to have before we dive straight into it because I want to give Sanya enough time for it to bed in. So next week, wrapping up brave. The week after, we'll hopefully be doing our uh, episode on the Web Fan Club, which could be fun. Is all I'll say. And then we'll start on Afraid of Sunlight. Is Afraid of Sunlight a double album? No, single. Well, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've only really done two bona fide double albums. Oh, really? Yeah, Marbles and Happiness is the Road. Oh. Ah, but I Brave mean, was so long, so it was just. Yeah, all but it fit does on... fit on a single CD. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? Who, who knew? All of all of you knew. Yeah, every everyone listening. Everyone to this listening knew. knew except me. <laughs> Brave pushed it though. You could only get I think seventy three minutes on a CD, oh, or at really? least back then you could. Wow. Yeah. So they were they went fill it up. There's more. Oh no, there's there's still a couple of minutes left. Quick. Add quick. another bell. We've got that bit of music left over from Glad at Stores. Chuck it on. <laughs> seventy three minutes. On. Yes, get yeah. in. Oh, this is one thing. Before we go, I did want to say. Um, a curious comparison since I mentioned Misplaced Childhood. Misplaced Childhood really, really stayed with me and really affected me. And even though Brave was heavy and a concept album, I didn't, I don't feel as like affected by it. I can just, I just listen, I listen to Brave and can move on with my life. Yeah, Misplaced Childhood. Isn't that weird? Well, let's see what you make of Afraid of Sunlight. Oh.
Yeah. Interesting. This you, I mean, is an album that you actually already know quite a lot off of. Oh, I do. Yeah. I haven't looked at the, you know, the track list. You know, yet. beautiful. You know, afraid of sunrise. You yep. know, beyond you. You yep. know, afraid of sunlight. Yeah. Oh, we've got a little story about two of those songs, haven't we, dear? We might. We might. Well, come back in a couple of weeks. No, don't. Come back next week. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Stay safe, everyone. Subscribe. Please tell people about us because that's how the podcast grows. Um, and leave us a review somewhere. Send us an email, beampod at gmail.com. If you want to say something about Brave, now would be a good time. Uh, we might feature you next week. No promises. Got quite a few already, when would be we? the cut yeah we do have when would be few. the cut off now <laughs> right goodbye everyone bye